says I've only got a few months left It's like a bitter pill I'm swallowing I can barely take a breath And when addiction steals my baby girl And there's nothing I can do My only hope is to trust you I trust you, Lord In the eye of the storm You remain in control that are shaken and stirred and be calmed and broken for my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are on you and through it all through it all it is well and through
Good evening. Praise the Lord. It's that time again. We're going to go ahead and get started. A um, couple things to remember. Again, if you didn't this morning, uh, ladies, if you didn't get with uh, Jill and the ladies about going to the daughter's conference and you're wanting to go, be sure and catch her tonight. Get your name on the list because uh, I think the early bird price is Tuesday. So after that, we'll have to pay a little bit more, and they're trying to get a number on how many's going, so be sure and get with her on that as well. Um, and also, we still need some nursery workers. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't have a lot sign up this morning, so. Yeah. So we need some, we need some more nursery workers. I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm, I'm too old to work in the nursery. Eh. You know, Sarah was 100 or what, 90, 90, 90 when she had uh, her baby, so, or when she got pregnant. Abraham was 100, so, you know, never too old. But anyway, um, thank you for being out tonight. Uh, I think we're going to have a good time tonight. We're going to worship the Lord and celebrate the Lord a little bit. Stand with me if you will. We're going to open with a word of prayer and just enter right in tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day once again to come to your house. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, to, to worship you, God. So many times we, we take for granted that we can stand together and come together, Lord, and lift you up and, and not have to worry about anyone coming in and arresting us or taking us out of here. And, Lord, I pray tonight we don't take that for granted, but, Lord, we worship you. We give you our entire heart tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would come and move in a mighty way. I know it's Sunday night. I know it's a small crowd, Lord, but that's okay. God, your word says, if any two or more, Lord, and there's more than two tonight. And we come and we ask in, in the name of Jesus that you would move mightily, that you would touch lives, Lord, that you would strengthen us and build us up. And we worship you tonight. We glorify you in all that you do, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.
through this sanctuary in Jesus Christ. We pray, amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. Yes. And I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under. I'm not held by my own strength. Cause I built my life on Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail now? He won't. Everything around me is 
turn your eyes up on Jesus, it should be back there. Is this what we play that in? Wait, wait, wait. This doesn't happen very often, but well, not that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me, but in the middle of service where he wants me to change songs. What key are you playing? B flat. Let me change that. Let me send it to these guys. But when he speaks while I'm singing, well, I gotta follow the Holy Spirit and we've got to sing this. We gotta go with this one. I'm gonna beam it to you guys. strangely dear in the light of his glory and grace y'all know it so sing it with me oh turn your eyes upon Jesus look for Of his glory 
and grace. Would you guys just play it one time while we just worship? Father, tonight we just turn our eyes towards you, God. Regardless of the circumstances and the situations that come before us, God, you knew about them before we even recognized them, God. And your word says that if we'll just turn it over and submit ourselves to you, Father, that you are faithful and you are just, God. And we stand on your promise tonight, God, that if we just release it unto you, Father, that not only will it change us on the inside, God, but it will change what the circumstances around us look like. So tonight, God, we just submit ourselves. We lay our burdens and our cast, we cast our cares to you, God, but we lay our burdens at your feet, Father, because you are holy, God. Our faith and our confidence is in you, God. Father, we believe you. Just play it again. Just keep going. Oh, turn your eyes upon Seem like everything else just goes away when we stare at him. We give it all to him. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, ain't God good as you sit down this evening? Hallelujah. Amen. It's a good-looking crowd tonight. <laughs> you may not think you're good-looking, but I do. Listen, I, I've, I've looked out before, and there wasn't hardly anybody in out there listening to me. So anytime there's somebody out there, good-looking crowd. Amen. Praise God. Let's give our worship team a hand. I'm telling you, sometimes we take them for granted. We don't know how blessed we are to have a worship team. They have musicians and singers that show up and, and uh, uh, you know, time after time after time. I've, 
I've been to some churches where they said, uh, anybody want to sing? Because we don't have anybody. And I'm telling you, that's, that gets kind of rough. I had one church ask me if I wanted to sing. They only did that once. Didn't do it again. Didn't do it again. Amen. Well, yesterday was a pretty good day for Lone Grove Assembly of God. I think we, we did uh, a lot of good yesterday. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to everyone that helped us out with that. Uh, thank you to all the ones that came and donated your stuff and donated your time and, and came and worked and, and uh, uh, helped us out. And uh, those that have volunteered to help even this week, again, uh, we've got quite a bit of stuff back there. We did get rid of a little bit this morning. And so uh, if you, after church, you want to make your way back there and check it out and see if there's anything that just needs to go home with you tonight, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, I, I, this morning I went back there and told them it's a six-bag minimum. You have to take at least six bags home with you. But um, this week we are going to have it open uh, from 10 to 2 uh, each day. We've got some, some uh, uh, ladies, I think it's ladies and men. I don't, I'm not sure who all signed up, but I saw there were some that signed up to help out with that. And we appreciate that. Uh, if you didn't get to sign up this morning and you, you can come up sometime, uh, come on up. I mean, if nothing else, if somebody's sitting back there by themselves, you'll give them some company. And, uh, but I plan on putting some signs out in the morning, and, and we're going to direct them around to the back end of the church. That way we don't have to worry about them coming through the church. Uh, Marla and I will be here, but we're kind of trying to get our stuff done up here in the, in the, in the offices and keep everything there. So we're going to try to make them or have them go around to the back, and we'll open those doors. And that way they can come in and out that way, and we don't have to worry about anybody coming in here or any, any of that. Uh, sometimes they do that. You know, people are nosy. You know, I don't know if you know they're not, but, uh, well, I just want to look, you know. And so, um, but uh, we'll just have someone in there to help them if they need help. Of course, it's all free, so we're not charging them anything, but uh, mostly to kind of give them direction as to what, uh, what, where they, you know, what, what is and what isn't. Uh, we don't want them going in classrooms and helping themselves to stuff out of the classrooms. But uh, so let, let people know come by here. I imagine the signs will catch a lot of attention and I, I'll put the time on the signs out by the road so when they drive by they'll see that it's just from 10 to 2. And I think probably a lot of people that didn't come yesterday will have heard about it and say, man, I missed it. Well, this is their opportunity. Uh, come out. Like I said, there were several this morning went back and, and, and gathered up some stuff. And so, um, listen, we got to haul that stuff out of here. And, and I don't mind taking it and we're going to take it to Teen Challenge and bless them with it. But uh, if we can bless people here at Lone Grove, that's our goal. You know, that's what we want to make sure if anyone here needs it. We also have several backpacks with school supplies left. So if you know some kids, I had several people this morning ask me, what are you going to do with them after they're left? Well, we hang on to them for a little while because we still have people call. But if we have quite a few left, we'll probably take them down to the school. And if they have some kids that showed up to school, you know, that didn't have anything, we can, we can give it to them uh, there as well. Um, we usually do for a couple weeks after we do this, have uh, people, even last year when we didn't do Love Lone Grove, people were calling about backpacks and we, we had some supplies we could give them. So uh, it, it, it's a great thing for people to look at the church and come to the church and say, we need some help with this and for the church to be able to help them. Because I believe that's loving, that's sharing the love of Jesus, that more than, than coming in here and preaching at them, and, and I, you know, that will minister to people, I think, greater than, than some of the greatest speakers and some of the, it's, that's great, but it tends to, the great speakers tend to attract a lot of people who are already Christians. This will attract the people who are lost. This will attract the people who need, because they have a need and we're able to help them with that need. And so I think it's a great thing 
that we're doing, and it, it's something that uh, we enjoy doing. And so um, we'll, we'll be able to help them with that as much as we can. Um, we want to help you tonight take a lot with you. So uh, uh, we, we said yesterday, well, we'll just need to call everybody that donated and say, okay, come get your stuff. But <laughs> I, I, didn't, I said, I don't think anybody will come up here. But uh, um, we brought some stuff. I don't know if we want it back, but that's okay. Um, but I believe that we need to be reaching the lost now more than ever. I believe events like this, doing things that we can, anything we can do to share the love of Jesus with them, we need to be doing. I believe now more than ever it's important because I, I believe Jesus' return is soon, and I believe that we don't have a whole lot of time to reach them. And I believe that right now in our world that we live in, they need to be reached. I believe people are searching for an answer. And, and you know what the thing about it is? We have the answer. It's right here. And, and, and we've had it. And I think we need to be sharing it with them. I think we need to be giving it to them. I believe we need to be doing everything we can to reach the lost and dying world. And I believe we should do it right here in Lone Grove as, as well as around the world. We have a, a wall full of missionaries back there that we send out around the world and we support them financially and we send them to go. But I believe that we should be doing it right here as well. And, and so today I'm going to talk a little bit about the harvest. I, I titled this message, The Harvest is Ripe. And uh, that's a familiar title that many of you have heard. But I want to look real quick at Matthew chapter 9. And I want to read uh, a little bit about Jesus in verses 35 through 38. <clears throat> I think I have most of these on the screen. If you'll click them for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do the button. I do know how to do the button. I just I'll, I won't ever remember. So, um, But you can go ahead and put it on that first scripture, Matthew chapter 9. There we go. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Let's pray. Father, we just love you tonight. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, God. We thank you, Lord, that we know that you'll never turn a blind eye to us. Lord, you'll never turn us down when we're in need. Lord, and I, I pray tonight, Lord, as we look at the harvest, Lord, we look at the fields, God, that you would put a burden within us, Lord, to, to, to send workers out, Lord, to, to minister, Lord, to, into the harvest. Lord, we pray that you'd bless this message, Lord, anoint these words, and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every time we read about Jesus and what he's doing, we, we read, the Bible says that great crowds uh, grew, that, that he would go out and he would teach and there would be great crowds would assemble. And, and I, I, you know, it, it makes you wonder, how did Jesus, why did the crowds assemble? You know, it talks about the crowds pushing him into the sea, so he stepped in the boat with Peter so he could get out a little ways. And we talk the, on, on the mount, the, the Sermon on the Mount, and he was, there, there was just people all around him, you know, and, and, and Jesus knew how to work it so he could be heard because, you know, when you feed over 5,000 men plus women and children, he didn't have a PA system. He didn't have speed the light sending him speakers and sound system for him to go and, and to do that. And, you know, now I don't know, maybe he used his God voice. It, it, it's a, kind of a joke that teachers talk about their teacher voice that they have to use in the classroom sometime to get their attention. Maybe Jesus had his God voice and it just amplified throughout. But when you think about it, man, to, to speak to thousands of people and them hear him, that's kind of amazing within itself. And so, but I, I kind of wonder why 
did the crowds for him when Jesus was around? And I truly believe it was because Jesus was doing three things when he was around the people. And it made the people want to come to him. I believe the first thing it is was he taught them. Jesus was always teaching something. Uh, even at the age of about 12 years old, they found him in the temple teaching and talking to the adult, the wise men, the, the scholars, the ones who had studied the law all their lives that were supposed to be the, the experts. And Jesus was talking to them, and they were astounded by his wisdom and his knowledge. I believe Jesus taught the people. He didn't just go out and, 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 you know, and blow smoke at them. He didn't just go out and, and, and let the breeze blow. I believe Jesus was teaching them what they needed to know in order to walk as a, as a follower, to be a believer, in order to live according to God's plan. He taught them. I believe another thing he did was he healed them. Jesus laid hands on the sick everywhere that he went. It's in this passage right here that he was healing them, that he would lay hands on the sick, even the lepers. Uh, we watched the Jesus show at Branson a couple weeks ago when we took the, the kids up there to the, uh, the Passion Play, and, and, and they, they really, uh, between the Passion Play and the, the Jesus show, they really showed us, I mean, the lepers walked out and everybody ran from them. Because it was a disease that you could catch just from being close to them. You know, you, you didn't want to touch them. You didn't want to touch anything they had. And, and, and in the, I think it was the Jesus show at Branson. Jesus went up and he laid hands on them. And the disciples was kind of standing away from him after he'd healed them. They just saw this man healed from lepsy. His skin grew back and it replenished and it was fresh. Instead of, you know, decaying like, you know, and leprosy. And Jesus slapped one of his disciples on the back. And that guy jumped and ran off. And all the rest spread out from him, you know. But Jesus wasn't afraid to lay hands on the sick. He wasn't afraid to get dirty. He knelt down and spit and made an eyeball out of mud, put it in one guy's eye. He wasn't afraid to lay hands. He wasn't afraid to get in there with the sick. So he taught them. He healed them. But I think the greatest thing that Jesus did is he loved them. How many of you like to be around a loving person? How many of you like to be around a hateful, old, grumpy person? Not too many. Nobody raised their hand. Man, I don't want to be around that person. All they ever do is grout and grumble and complain. Lord, have mercy. I like Brother, Brother Duck this morning kept saying, Laudy. I told you, I said, I'm going to start saying that. Well, Laudy. Man, why would you want to be around some old grumpy person? But Jesus wasn't grumpy. You know, Jesus could have been. He had to walk everywhere he went. He didn't have a car to drive him. He didn't have air conditioning. He didn't have some, you know, fancy tennis shoes. He had sandals and if maybe barefoot. I don't know. You know, had that long hair and it was hot and, you know, humid. You know, he could have been grumpy, but I, I, don't, I don't think Jesus ever stopped smiling. In my mind, he's always smiling. He's always loving on people. Even when he was tired and he'd been teaching and he'd been healing and he'd been working all day and he was tired and they, they kind of got away to the side to rest and, and the little kids started running up. You know, them little loud bratty kids that always run around when you're tired and you're ready just kick them, get out of here, I'm tired, I'm resting. Jesus didn't do that. He said, hey, let the kids come. He says, I want to love on these kids. I don't get to love on them all the time because with the crowds, he says, let the kids come so I can love on them. Jesus loved on them. And I believe that we should be doing all these things as well. I believe if we would take the call of Jesus and the burden of Jesus that he had and we would do these things, I believe we would see revival happen. I believe we'd see great things begin to happen. In John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. 
because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will do the works that I do. And then he, he took it a step further. He says, greater works will you do than I have done. I believe if, if Jesus could he lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. I believe he's saying, you know, greater works will you do than I have. He says, in the name of Jesus, we can see the, the, the sick healed. I believe that Jesus could, could speak and great things happen. I believe that he cast out demons. I believe in the name of Jesus, we can cast out demons. I believe that he was saying, what the things on earth that I've done, you can do. And even greater things. I believe we've got to step up and take that call. And so tonight, I, I've entitled this message, The Harvest is Ripe. I, I like that sign that says help wanted. I believe Jesus was sending out a help wanted sign. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that the workers would come. Help wanted. We need workers because the harvest is ripe. Listen, I, I, was, I was overjoyed yesterday. I don't know why. We can put a sign-up sheet out there. And two or three people will sign up and say, yeah, I'll do that or I'll help. It excites me when we have cookouts because we'll see three, two or three people will put down that they're bringing food and we get down here and everybody's brought food. I like that. But I was a little bit worried because there was only a, few, a couple names, a few names on that list for people to work yesterday. And, and I was a little bit concerned because I thought, you know, there's, there's a lot of work involved in this and, and between the hot dogs and, and, and helping people and, and, and giving the backpacks. And we knew that some was going to be here that wasn't on the list. But I was overwhelmed when we, when we stopped in there before or when we took time before we actually began and kind of gathered together and prayed. And, 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 and LaDonna gave us some instructions. And there was people all over the place. Matter of fact, most of the day there was more workers back there than there was people coming and, and getting stuff. And that's, that's amazing to show that people want to come and serve and, and to love Lone Grove. And that's what we were showing. And, and so it, it's, it's just overwhelming. And so, but, you know, I don't feel we had a shortage of that yesterday, but I feel sometimes we have a shortage in the kingdom of God that we, want, we need more to come. And so I'm going to read you the story in John chapter 4. And it's quite a few verses, and I debated whether to read it all, but I want to read it all because I don't want us to miss any part of it. Um, I don't have it on the screen, so I'm just going to read this. If you want to turn to John chapter 4 and read along with me. You don't hear the pages flipping so much anymore because everybody's looking on their phones. Amen. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, speaking of Jesus, he had to go through Samaria Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to the woman, uh, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for a Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 
And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. In verse 16, Jesus said, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have, have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on the Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes th uh, through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why were you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back into the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have... Uh, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone, the disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me from the finishing of his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant, and others had already done the work, and now you will get together the harvest. And so we see a story of Jesus had an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. And at, at noontime, the Bible says it's noon, it was, it was important that it represented that noontime, but... The thing about it is Jesus had an encounter with a woman who was lost and needed reaching. I believe this is an example of the world. I believe that woman is an example of the world that's around us that's lost and need reaching. And here's a couple reasons why. The, the first reason that the Bible tells us, the first thing it tells us about her was that she was a Samaritan. In verse number 9 it said, The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she, said, she even said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? See, this was a strange thing because the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. It was almost like Oklahoma and Texas, but not quite as bad. I mean, they were right there close to each other. And remember, this was Jacob's well. And so they were all part of the family. You know, they were all part of the history. 
but yet they hated each other. And so Jesus came along, and they were traveling. They had to go through Samaria to get where they were going. And about noontime, he sent his disciples into town to get some food, and he set to rest. Again, he'd probably been dealing with crowds and, and teaching and healing, and, and he wanted time to rest. And so he found a well, and he went and sat by the well. And he was probably sitting there going, you know, I'd sure like some of that water. It's, I'm kind of thirsty. It's noon. It's, it's hot. Uh, I sure wish I had some water. And sure enough, a woman came along. And, and he did what any of us would do. Uh, do you mind fetching me some water? Now, this woman looked at him, and she said, Now, wait a minute. You're a, Samar uh, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How dare you ask me? Who do you think you are to ask me? And she asked the wrong person that question because she opened up a door, and she didn't know who was going to step through that door. And so her day, you know, she was fortunate that she happened to walk that day. But this woman was from a different background. She was from a different tribe, a different nation, a different belief. She might have been a little different color. She might have been from the other side of the border. Sound familiar? Sometimes we encounter people that we look at and we say, they're not one of us. They don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't talk like us. We, there's a language barrier. Uh, we went and ate Mexican for lunch, and Ethan has had two years of Spanish in high school, and he's got to take a year of Spanish in college. And I said, maybe by the time you finish, you can cipher what it says on this menu because I don't understand what all this stuff says. You can translate this to me so I know what I'm ordering because sometimes I, I, try to, I, I try to order something, and I don't know. What, I get something. I don't, didn't think I, that's what it was. But listen, the Jews looked down on this woman because of where she was born. And the sad thing is she couldn't help that. How many of you got to choose where you was born at? You got to choose your family. You got to choose what color you are. You got to choose what nation we were born in. Thank God we were born in the United States of America. They can say what they want, but I wouldn't want to be born anywhere in the world except the United States. And I'm proud to be an American, but, you know, she couldn't help that. She didn't get to choose to be a Samaritan. She didn't get to choose this. But Jesus talked to her anyway. I feel like sometimes there's a barrier, there's a boundary between us and some people. And we, we look at them and we say, and of course by we, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church in general. I'm talking about Christians in general. You know, we look at them and we say, yeah, but they're just not part of us. Listen, how many of you know about the Hatfields and the McCoys? You know about the differences between them. There really wasn't much differences. They just didn't like each other. How about the, uh, let me look, I look, the Montagues and the Capulets for the more intellectuals in the room that, that, that studied or read Shakespeare a little bit. I had to look that one up to figure out how to spell them and say them because it's been a long time. You know, they weren't a whole lot of different either. It was just, they just didn't like each other. Sometimes there's people out there we just don't like just because we don't like them. But you know, Jesus died for them too. Jesus gave his life for them too. And when Jesus looked at this woman that was a Samaritan, he didn't see a Samaritan. He didn't see a woman who wasn't like him. He didn't see someone that he should hate. Jesus saw someone that was hurting. He saw someone that had a need. He saw someone that was lost. And he did the thing that he does and he loved her. And he began to reach out to her. Jesus reached beyond boundaries when he spoke to the Samaritan woman. The first thing that she had going against her was she was a Samaritan. The second thing was that she was a woman. Now, this scripture, this will get us in trouble today 
Because, you know, we, we have to be careful. But if you go back to Bible times, women were looked down upon. Women were not equal to men. And, and ladies, I'm, this is, I'm just reading from the Bible. But in these days, men of great you know, influence did not speak to women. They spoke, they had servants, they had other people who would go and talk. And so for Jesus to approach not only a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman and talk to her and engage in conversation with her was kind of a risky thing for him. In John chapter 4, verse 27, it says, When his disciples came back, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Isn't that strange? Now, I know Jesus had friends that was women. He had, you know, there was Mary, uh, his mother, Mary Magdalene, and it names of, some of the, Martha, some of the other women that he were friends with. This was a stranger, though, and this was uncommon for it to happen. It says, but none of them had the nerve to ask him. Listen, they knew Jesus well enough. They weren't going to ask him, what are you doing talking to her? They knew better. But see, ministering to a woman wouldn't be an issue today, but there's some people that we look at and we think, man, you know, they're just beneath us. You know, we, we look at atheists and people who say, I don't believe in God. And we think, why do we mess with them? They're, 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 you know, we don't need to mess with them. Here's a big one, homosexuals. We just condemn them and we don't think, well, we don't need to minister to them. Here's a worse one, politicians. <laughs> Not all politicians are bad. <clears throat> Nobody shouted me down on that one, so. But listen, sometimes we look at people and we, and, and we just, and we group them like the Samaritan, we group them like the woman, and we just say, what are you doing talking to them? Don't you know they're a, they're a horrible person? Don't you know that, why are you wasting your time on them? And thank goodness the disciples didn't, didn't uh, have the nerve to ask him, or I'd have had to read 14 more verses just of him telling them why they shouldn't. But Jesus didn't care that she was a woman. Jesus came to save everyone. Luke chapter 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Men, women, children, old folks, young folks, middle-aged folks, skinny folks, fat folks. Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost, period. In Romans 10, 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. All all-inclusive and I feel like we need to be reaching everyone regardless of where they're from I don't care if they wear that old bright orange color we need to be reaching them or that burnt orange if they're not wearing crimson we still we definitely need to reach them but I believe Jesus came to save everyone and everyone can be saved and Jesus gave us that example Right here. The third thing that this woman had facing her was that she was an outcast because of her transgressions. See, this woman, the, the historians tell us that have studied this, they said this, it was unusual for a woman together to come and draw water from the well at noontime because of a couple reasons. Number one, it's hot at noontime. They want to come in the morning when it's cool because drawing water wasn't easy. They didn't have a tap they could turn on. And they didn't have, you most likely did not have a pump. They had to throw a bucket down inside there, and it had to go down in the well. They had to fill it up, and they had to pull it back up, and then they had to dump it in their pots. And most likely, they didn't just get one bucket full. They had to get several because they were collecting water for their household for that day. This is for running water. 
And I don't know how much they had, depending on, I guess, the size of their household. But that was their, that their opportunity, their time to go was in the morning when it was cool. And they even tell us this, that it became kind of a social thing. It was kind of a social gathering. You know, like today, our ladies go to the hairdresser and they discuss uh, important topics of the day and important topics and each other. And, and, and they discuss, you know, maybe it's not the hairdresser anymore. I don't know. But, but you know, they have... Uh, I, should, I started to say it, right, it was right outside them doors yesterday's where they were discussing the important topics. There was a circle right there, and I, I walked through it, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I went back to the back. I decided I didn't need to stay there. Well, that, maybe that's what it was, the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Either way, I, I decided I need to get out of there because I didn't want to hear my name mentioned in that circle. I was scared. <clears throat> <laughs> but they said this was kind of a social thing. The women would come and they would talk to each other and spread their gossip and, and, and this was kind of their time to hang out. So for this woman to not be there during that time, she was an outcast. She was not accepted with them. And, and Jesus kind of explains this to us. He lets us know uh, what was happening. In verse 16, he told her, go and get your husband. That was a test. She said, I don't have a husband. That's, just, that's a simple, honest question or answer. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you've had five. And he said, matter of fact, the man that you're living with now, you're not even married to. You're working on number six. Or maybe you've given up and just not going to get married. And so this kind of explains in that day and age, people didn't get married five or six times. And for a woman to have had that many marriages, now she could have been a widow over and over and over, but that's not what it insinuates here. She'd been with five different husbands, and, and she'd been, she's on her sixth right here. And so the ladies of the town would have known this. The people in her community would have known this, and she probably had a label with her. And probably when they saw her, they, they were, in that morning session that they were discussing important topics, she was probably one of them in a lot of the topics, a lot of the mornings. They probably, when she would walk up, they would probably, whoops, there she is, don't, you know. The hair on the back of her neck would stand up because she knew they were talking about her. She would get those looks, and she knew what those looks meant because they knew what she was doing. They knew who she was with. You know anybody that's like that? When you see them, you kind of look at them, you go, it's interesting. <laughs> Listen, I heard a story about uh, this woman in the church was a gossip, and she kept gossiping, and she would say, I seen so-and-so's pickup parked out somebody's house the other night, you know, and it stayed there all night. And she would just gossip. And I, I heard about so-and-so and so-and-so together and said that the, uh, there was an old man in the church and he got tired of her gossip. So he went and parked his pickup outside her night and went home, or her, or her house, went home and left it there all night. <laughs> said she quit talking about everybody else in the church after that. Maybe you know someone that, you know, when you look at them, you think, well, I know what they're doing. I know what they've been. I know what they're going, or what's happening with them. They're with another man, or they're with another woman. We look down on the women. The Bible, then the women, they kind of point them out. But men are just as guilty. They're with someone else. You know, they're down there at the bar again. You know, they're down there, uh, you know, doing this and doing that. And we kind of look at them and we just pass them over. And, and sometimes those are the people we need to be reaching out to the most. Jesus knew her transgressions when he walked up to the well before she even got there. He knew that this woman was coming and that her sins, and he knew what was, she was dealing with, but he still talked to her. 
He still spoke to her. He still loved her. He still wanted to reach her. He wanted to save her because he came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come to seek and save those who were saved. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wouldn't have done any good for Jesus to come for the righteous and the holy and the just. What point would that have been? Jesus came to die for those while they were sinners. And I want to tell you something. The Bible says we're all sinners. It says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is Jesus Christ who came and died. And that's eternal life that he gave us. And so Jesus came while we were yet sinners. And so once upon a time, we were sinners. We were living in sin. And when we look down on someone else because of their sin, we should be looking down on ourselves as well. But Jesus came and he died for us while we were sinners. Jesus came so that we could have life. He came so that the woman at the well did not have to continue in her failures, to continue in her transgressions, did not have to continue to live like she was living but if he didn't speak to her, if he looked down on her like everybody else did because she was a Samaritan, because she was a woman, and because she was living in sin, I mean, that's three strikes. She was out. But he, he, he looked above, beyond all that. He didn't let that bother him. He said, you know what? She needs to be reached. Jesus loved her. That same love that Jesus gave to her, we need to be giving to people. We need to be sharing with people who, instead of looking down on them, the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. Matter of fact, it says you'll be judged by the same measure you judge others. So many times we look down on people and we start judging them because of their situation. Maybe they need a help. Maybe they need a hand. Maybe they just need a friend. Maybe they just need prayer. The harvest is ripe. There's lots of people out there. Now, the next thing that this woman that was that was going on with this woman's not a bad thing but she asked Jesus questions and she knew about the messiah and she knew about the church because she began to ask him questions in John chapter 4 verse 19 she said sir you must be a prophet so tell me why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship you see, this woman was no dummy. We look down on people who are living in sin. We look down at this woman and think, well, she just didn't know any better. We, she just didn't know, you know, the right way. Maybe she'd never been to church. She'd never been told. She'd never been taught. This woman began to ask some questions that the comp most people wouldn't ask. She began to say, wait a minute. Why do you Jews think you're better than us when our ancestors worship the same God as yours? This well was built by Jacob. And so she began to ask some important questions. Let me tell you, a lot of the people that we look down on that are lost and not living in church probably can quote as much scripture as we can. A lot of them have been in church as much as some of us. A lot of them have questions, but they've been turned away and they've been hurt by the church. They've been hurt by Christians. They've been hurt by people. This woman asked, she said, you must be a prophet. Let me ask you some questions because I have some questions. Sometimes we overlook people because of their situation when all they're doing is reaching out and we've got to reach out to them. I wonder if part of her lack of faith and part of the sin that she was living in was because she'd been cast out and treated so poorly from those who should have been loving her. I wonder how many people don't come to church because they're cast out and mistreated by the very people of God who should be embracing them. 
and who should be reaching out to love them. And I have to live with this all the time. God checks my heart all the time about people because I get busy and I get to running around and I see someone in need and I think I don't have time to stop and help that person. I don't have, I don't have a need. I'll never forget when Ethan was a kid. We were driving through Oklahoma City and we pulled up and, you know, there's people on the corners asking for help and we just drive by them and Ethan said, we got to help that guy. He was just a little kid. And by the time he said it, we was already gone by, but I thought, you know, to have a child's heart. Now, we know in our wisdom, sometimes those people are conning us, and we, but the thing about it is, I sat in the parking lot of a church a few months ago with a broke down car, and it was in Medill, I, I, won't, I won't say it's in Long Grove, it was in Medill, and I sat there for an hour and a half, and I counted 15 people drove by me going to that church. Not on the road, I was in the parking lot. They drove through the parking lot, not five foot from my car, drove past me. I'm sitting there with the, the hood open. This was back in May. I had the doors open. It was hot, and, and I was sitting there in the car, obviously broke down. I sat there for an hour and a half, and 15 vehicles drove by me going to the church. They got out. They went in the church. They stood around the church. They were all men. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a little old seniors lady night that probably couldn't, that might not have been able to help me, but it was, it was grown men who could have probably helped me. And I sat in that parking lot and I said, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't go to church. And I said, I certainly would not go to this church because I'm sitting here for an hour and a half and I'm a big fat sweaty guy. And they've driven by me, and not one of them offered me a bottle of water. Not one said, do you want to come in where it's cool and wait for your wife? Do you need any Not one person. And I said, Lord, help us. How, how can we as Christians say that we're Christians, say that we're followers of Christ, say that we want to reach the lost, and we allow this to happen? And so it wasn't two weeks after that I was leaving the church, and I was pulling around this side, and there was somebody up here on the, at the front, and they had a flat tire, and he was having a fit with it. He was probably not using church words. And I was leaving to go somewhere. I don't know if I was going home or where, but I was about to pull out. And the Lord quickened my heart. And he said, wasn't that you a couple weeks ago? Didn't you say if you wasn't a Christian, if you wasn't a preacher, you wouldn't go to church because of that? And so I said, yes, Lord. Thank you. And I pulled around and I pulled up behind him and I got out and, and, and I'm not a small person. He was probably a little worried about it for a second, you know, because sometimes when I get out, people are like, you know, what is he doing? I've had that experience too, where you break down on the side of the road and you worry about the people pulling up or they're there to help you or hurt you. And I walked up and I said, is there anything I can do to help you? No, no, I got this piece of junk and he was just rattling on about his truck and his whatever and this tire and he had a tire that his, his spare was flat and he couldn't, he was mad and I said, well, is there anything I can do to help you? No, I got somebody bringing me a tire and he said, and he was, and, and I said, well, do you need some water? It's hot. I mean, it was hot and I said, can I get you some water? No, I got a jug here. You know, he'd been at work and he was going home or whatever and he was just tired and he was ready to go home. <clears throat> I said, well, is there anything at all I can do for you? I don't want to just leave you stranded here. No, I'm good. I've got, I've got my phone. I've called. They're coming to get me. And you know what? I ended up leaving. I didn't do anything for him. But I sure felt better. And that man may never, I may never see him again. He may never come to church. But I thought if I'd have drove off, it would have been no better than them 15 trucks that pulled by me at that other place. Sometimes we look at people and we go, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll, man, our compassion should be to reach out to them. Because the harvest is ripe. 
And you never know what seed we can plant somebody. So I didn't preach to him. Well, while I got you here, brother, let me tell you, I've been working on a sermon and I could sure use the practice. Maybe I should have. I don't know. But I just loved on him. He wasn't taking it. He didn't want it. But I, it doesn't matter. I gave it anyway. You know, he wasn't someone I would have probably had come to my house because of the language coming out of his mouth. And, I, you know, and, he, and it's, it's interesting. People don't respect church. They don't respect preachers anymore. People come in that door and cuss just like they would out in the world. They have no respect. They, don't, they just don't care. And, but that doesn't matter. We still love on them. Julie, if you and the worship team would, would come on. But I wonder how many people don't come to church. I wonder how many people are turned away by church. They're turned away by, by salvation. They're turned away by God simply because they're mistreated by those who should be loving on them. How many times we drive by people? How many people have sat there and said, you know, I have a need and that church hadn't done anything for me? Now, Listen, I, we, we can make our reasons. They don't come to church here. They don't participate. They've been in here and talked bad about us. But I don't believe Jesus would have let anything, any of those things stop him. This woman had everything going against her. Jesus, by all rights as a Jew and by who he was, could have turned and walked away from this woman and not one person would have looked at him for it badly. I believe the Heavenly Father would have, though. But Jesus said, I'm going to reach out in love because I came to save her the same as I came to save even, even Peter, even, even those closest to me. And I believe that should be our outlook. I believe that should be the way that we do. And so because Jesus reached out, because Jesus loved on her, he answered her questions. And he, even, he, he said, there's coming a time. When it won't matter if you're Samaritan, if you're Jew, it won't matter if you're Ethiopian, it won't matter who you are. Egyptian, it won't matter what your background, it won't matter who you are. There's coming a time, and that time is now. And she said, I know about the Messiah. See, she knew about Jesus. She even said, he's the Christ. And he looked at her and he said, the Bible gives us this version. I believe he looked at her and he said, my dear sweet lady. He says, I am that Messiah. I am the Christ. I'm the one that's come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. The one that's come to heal you, to deliver you, to set you free from your sins. You no longer have to live in that sinful life. Your transgressions have been removed. They've been forgiven. And I believe he just reached out and he just loved on her a little bit. And he says, I'm here for you. And as she looked up, she got so excited. And she ran back into town and she said, you got to come and you got to, there's a man that knows about me and they're going, we all know about you. Everybody in town knows what you, everybody knows about you. We talk about you in the mornings. We talk about you when we get our hair done. And she said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This man doesn't know about me. He knows about what's inside me. And I feel so new. I feel so fresh. He has come. And you know what? They said, you know what? Let's just go check out what this woman is doing. Let's go see what she, some guy she stirred up. Let's go get our latest gossip. They went out. They met Jesus. He changed their life too. And the Bible says they told her, we didn't believe it because it was you. But when we talked to him, now we know. Now I've been changed. Now I've been touched. Now I've been set free. The Bible says he stayed in that town for two days preaching and teaching and loving and healing because he took the time to talk to that one woman when he could have just walked away and nobody would have cared and Jesus told his disciples because they questioned him why Lord 
And they even said, Lord, you've not eaten. You need to eat. And he looked at them and, and he replied in verse 32, he says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they're like, well, where did you get food? Did someone bring you food? Did you eat? And Jesus said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Man, if you're hungry, if you're struggling, if you have need, that nourishment that comes from the Father by doing his will will sustain you. It'll sustain you when the boss calls and says you no longer have a job. It'll sustain you when the doctor calls and says I've got bad news. It'll sustain you when your family calls and says we've got bad news. It comes from the Father. It comes by doing his will. It comes by reaching the lost, by loving on others. We got a phone call a couple days ago. My brother's got a girl that's 16 and, and she was driving and they live in Fort Smith and she'd pulled out in a semi-truck, run her over. If it had been that much further back, she'd be dead. And we started praying and, and Jill posted her picture of the car on Facebook and it just completely demolished the front end of her car. And they took her to the hospital and we prayed and the doctor said it's a miracle that she's not dead. A semi-truck ran a stoplight full speed. The guy that was behind the semi-truck said he didn't touch his brakes one time ran through the intersection she was in a little car the doctor said it's a miracle she's got a broken collarbone some tendons she's in a lot of pain and sore but she's alive because his nourishment his nourishment sustains us through our trials and our hard times and we get his nourishment by doing his will and his will is that we reach others his will is that we teach those that need teaching his will is that we we pray for those that need healing and deliverance his will is that we love on people that's what jesus did and i believe church that if we'll do those things we'll see the crowds come i believe if this church becomes known as a church that teaches the word of god we teach this word above anything else we focus this is our foundation this is what we promote more than anything and we love on people and we pray for people i believe prayer is such an important thing it's an important part of the church any church that takes out prayer that takes out these altars they ought to shut the doors down because then it's just a social club jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost jesus said everyone who calls on my name will be healed will be saved he says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. I believe that's true today. Do you believe that's true today? I believe as a church, that's what we should be doing. We should be calling on the name of the Lord to reach the lost here in Lone Grove, to reach the lost in Carter County, to reach the lost around the world. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come to give you power to be my witnesses here, Lone Grove, Carter County, Oklahoma, even Texas and around the world. I believe that's our mission. And I believe that the harvest is ripe, the laborers are few, but I believe if we'll step up and say, Lord, use me wherever, whatever I can do, Lord, use me, he will. And to God be the glory. Amen, stand with me this evening. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we come humbled before you, Lord, for your presence is great. Lord, your Holy Spirit is great tonight, Lord, and we come asking for more. God, we need more of you in our lives. Lord, we need more of that nourishment. God, we need that nourishment that only comes from you to sustain us through our hardships, to sustain us through our lives, God. We exalt you tonight. We praise you tonight. Hallelujah. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's anyone here tonight and you'd say, I need to make my relationship with Jesus right. I need a salvation. I need to know him in the way that that woman at the well came to know him. Whatever my background, whatever it is, I need to know Jesus. If you're here tonight, just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a pretty good home crew tonight. I believe we all know Jesus. I don't believe any of us would be the woman at the well. But this is what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to come down to the front. If you're here tonight and you say, I want to see the lost saved. I want to see, I don't care who they are. I don't care what they got against them. They need to know Jesus. And I want to be a part of them knowing Jesus. I want to love them so much that they come to know him. I believe let's just come stand across the front. Let's just as a body of believers, as a church, let's just come down. Let's just begin to cry out for the lost. If you've got a lost loved one in your family, maybe a kid or a husband, a wife, a, a grandparent, a grandchild, if you want to come, if you, we're just going to pray. You guys, let's just come across the front of this church. Let's just stand in unity together as we cry out for the lost. I believe prayer is important. I believe that we come together as a body, as children of God, and we begin to pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray. If, you know, if you've got a lost loved one, you want to cry them out, maybe it's somebody you work with, let's just begin to say their name. Let's just cry out to God for them. Lord, right now, Lord, we reach to you for the lost. God, we pray right now, Lord, the harvest is ripe. Lord, and we pray that you begin to move right now. Let your Holy Spirit begin to convict. Father, we cry out for our loved ones that are lost. God, our family members, God, that are lost and need you. Lord, I pray right now that they would receive salvation. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would have sleepless nights until they come to know you. God, that you would put something within them. God, that they would begin to cry out for you. They may not know what they're crying out for, God, but somebody would come along and tell them about you. Someone would give them instruction and be able to lead them to you, Father, so they could be saved, so they could know Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for the lost, God, in our town. I pray for the lost in our county. Lord, I pray that you would send revival, God, that you would send salvation, that we would see people saved. God, then turn their lives around and begin living for you as this woman at the well. Lord, we don't know the rest of her story, but I believe she changed. God, I believe she gave up what the life that she was living, and she served and followed Jesus. And Lord, this entire community was affected because of her. And Lord, I pray this entire community be affected, God, because these people are here tonight and we want to see the lost saved. And we give you glory for it right now, God. We exalt you right now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you for teaching. But thank you, Lord, for loving us because your love is what, you, that is what put you on that cross. It was your love for us that you gave your life for us. We love you back right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we take a few moments, spend some time in prayer, find a place you can stand there, kneel there, sit there, jump up and down. Why don't we spend a little bit of time in prayer and let's focus on the lost. God, send the lost to Lone Grove Assembly so they can hear Jesus, they can be taught Jesus, so they can receive Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, there came a thirsty woman who was drawing from the well. 
harvest is ripe. Are we ready to harvest it? Wouldn't it be great if there was a giant crowd in here because we just simply loved them? Amen. I think Jesus did all the other stuff because he loved them. It was his love for them. Amen. Let's just love. Let's just show each other love. I said this this morning as we go through this time of transition. Let's just love each other. I believe if we'll show the love of Jesus and anybody want to pastor a church is full of the love. Listen, Nobody wants to pastor a church full of grumpy people. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, uh, make yourself uh, a basket full of stuff back there to take home with you. I know there's something that you need at home back there. Even if you've already been back there. somebody You thought if, if nobody gets that, well, they didn't get it. It's still back there. Be sure and do that. If you need to see Jill or uh, about the women's conference, be sure and get signed up because it, it costs you more if you don't get signed up right now. And so... Uh, good things, good things are happening, and uh, we're we're still proud to be moving forward. Amen, amen. Let's pray together as we close. Father, we thank you for your presence that was here. Lord, I thank you, God, that we know that your will is done. Lord, and we seek your will above every, above our own will above any other thing. Lord, and we praise you tonight. Lord, as we leave here, keep us safe. Lord. Uh, Strengthen us for this week, Lord, as we know the enemy will come after us, Lord, because we've been in your presence, Lord. But strengthen us, Lord, that the enemy will not be able to attack us, Lord, that even at the mention of your name, the, the demons tremble, Lord. And we pray we go in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we go out this week. Keep us safe, Lord. Bring us back to your house again Wednesday, and we give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>